Hi there, I'm Rene Schwartz, and welcome to Moonlight Productions' versions of The World's Best Fairy Tales. This series is for listeners both young and old, and features stories from the Grimm's Brothers, Hans Christian Andersen, Arabian Nights, and some of the best classic tales. Thumbelina by Hans Christian Andersen There was once a woman who wanted to have a tiny little child, but she did not know where to get one. So one day she went to an old witch and said to her, I should so much like to have a tiny little child. Can you help me where I might get one? Oh, we have one ready now, said the witch. Here. Take this barley corn. It's not the kind the farmer sows in his field or feeds the cocks and hens with, I can tell you. Put it in a flower pot and then you will see what happens. Oh, thank you, said the woman, and gave the witch twelve pennies, for that was what the barley corn cost. Then she went home and planted it. Immediately there grew from it a large and beautiful flower, which looked like a tulip, but the petals were tightly closed, as if it were still only a bud. "'What a beautiful flower!' exclaimed the woman, and she kissed the red and yellow petals. As she kissed them, the flower burst open. It was a real tulip, the kind we usually see, but in the middle of the blossom, on the soft, velvety petals, sat a tiny girl delicate and pretty. She was scarcely as big as a thumb, so the woman and her husband called her Thumbelina. An elegant polished walnut shell served Thumbelina as a cradle. The blue petals of a violet were her mattress, and a rose petal was her quilt. There she lay at night, but in the daytime she used to play about on the table. Here the woman had put a bowl, which was surrounded by a ring of flowers their stems dipping into the water where a great tulip petal floated. In this, Thumbelina sat and sailed from one side of the bowl to the other, rowing herself with two white horsehairs for oars. It was such a pretty sight. She would sing too, with a voice more soft and sweet than had ever been heard before. One night, when she was lying in her pretty bed, an old toad crept in through a broken pane in the window. She was very ugly and clumsy, and she hopped onto the table where Thumbelina lay asleep under the rose petal. This would make a beautiful wife for my son, said the toad, taking up the walnut shell with Thumbelina inside. She hopped with it through the window into the garden. Here there flowed a great wide stream with slippery and marshy banks, where the toad lived with her son. Oh, how ugly and clumsy he was, just like his mother. Was all he could say when he saw the pretty little girl asleep in the walnut shell. Don't talk so loud or you'll wake her, said the old toad. She might escape us even now. She is as light as a feather. 
We will put her out on the broad water lily leaf in the stream. She is so small and light it will be just like an island for her. She can't run away from us there. While we are preparing the guest room under the marsh where she will live. Growing in the stream were many water lilies with broad green leaves which looked as if they were floating on the water. The farthest leaf was the largest, and to this the old toad swam with Thumbelina in her walnut shell. The tiny Thumbelina woke up very early in the morning, and when she saw where she was she began to cry bitterly. On every side of the green leaf was water, and she could not get back to the land. The old toad was down under the marsh decorating her room with rushes and yellow marigold petals to make it grand for her new daughter-in-law. After she had finished, she swam out with her ugly son to the leaf where Thumbelina lay. She wanted to take the pretty cradle to the room before Thumbelina herself went there. The old toad bowed low in the water before her and said, Here is my son. You shall marry him, and the two of you will live in great magnificence down under the marsh. Croak, 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 was all the son could say. Then they took the neat little cradle and swam away with it. Thumbelina sat alone on the green leaf and wept, for she did not want to live with the toad or marry her ugly son. The little fishes swimming about under the water had seen the old toad quite plainly and heard what she had said. They raised their heads to see Thumbelina and thought her so pretty they were very sorry she was going down to live with the ugly toad. No, that must not happen, they decided. They assembled in the water around the green stalk which supported the leaf on which the tiny girl was sitting and nibbled the stem in two. Away floated the leaf down the stream, bearing Thumbelina far beyond the reach of the toad. On she sailed, past several towns, and birds sitting in the bushes saw her and sang, What a pretty girl! What a pretty little girl! The leaf floated farther and farther away. Thus Thumbelina left her native land. A beautiful white butterfly fluttered above her and at last settled on the leaf. Thumbelina pleased him, and she too was delighted. Now the toads could not reach her, and everything was so beautiful where she was sailing. The sun shone on the water and made it sparkle like the brightest silver. She took off her sash and tied one end around the butterfly. The other end she fastened to the leaf, so that he glided along with her faster than ever. Soon after, a great beetle came flying past. He caught sight of Thumbelina, and in a moment had put his legs around her slender waist and had flown off with her to a tree. The green leaf floated away down the stream, and the butterfly with it, for he was fastened to the leaf and could not get loose. How terrified poor little Thumbelina was when the beetle flew off with her to the tree, and she was especially distressed for the beautiful white butterfly, because she had tied him to the leaf. If he did not get away, he might starve to death. But the beetle did not trouble himself about that. He sat down with her on a large green leaf, gave her honey out of the flowers to eat, and told her she was very pretty, although she wasn't in the least like the beetle. Later on, all the other beetles who lived in the same tree came to pay calls. They examined Thumbelina closely and remarked, Why, she has only two legs. How disgusting! She has no feelers, cried another. 
How ugly she is, said all the lady beetles, and yet Thumbelina was really very pretty. The beetle who had stolen her knew this very well, but when he heard all the ladies saying she was ugly, he began to think so too, and decided not to keep her. She could go whenever she liked. So he flew down from the tree with her and put her on a daisy. There she sat and wept, thinking she must be very ugly, because Beetle would have nothing to do with her. Yet she was the most beautiful creature imaginable, so soft and delicate, like the loveliest rose petal. The whole summer, poor little Thumbelina lived alone in the great wood. She wove a bed for herself of blades of grass and hung it up under a clover leaf so she was protected from the rain. She gathered honey from the flowers for food and drank the dew on the leaves every morning. Thus, the summer and autumn passed, but then winter came, the long, cold winter. All of the birds who had sung so sweetly about her had flown away. The trees had shed their leaves, the flowers were dead. The great clover leaf under which she lived curled up and nothing remained but the withered stalk. She was terribly cold, for her clothes were ragged and she herself was so small and thin. Poor little Thumbelina would surely be frozen to death very soon. It began to snow and every snowflake that fell on her was like a whole shovelful, for she was only an inch high. She wrapped herself up in a dead leaf, but since it was torn in the middle, it gave her no warmth. She was trembling with cold. Now just outside the wood where she was living lay a great grain field. The grain had been harvested a long time before. Only dry, bare stubble was left standing in the frozen ground. This made a forest for her to wander about in. All at once she came across the door of a field mouse who had a little hole under a gnome. There the mouse lived warm and snug, with a storeroom full of grain, a splendid kitchen and dining room. Poor little Thumbelina went up to the door and begged for a little piece of barley, for she had not had anything to eat for two days. Poor little creature, said the field mouse, for she was a kind-hearted old thing. Come into my warm room and have some dinner with me. Because Thumbelina pleased her, she said, As far as I'm concerned, you may spend the winter with me. You must keep my room clean and tidy and tell me stories, for I like them very much. And Thumbelina did all that the kind field mouse asked, and did it remarkably well, too. I'm expecting a visitor tonight, said the field mouse. My neighbor comes to call on me once a week. He's in better circumstances than I am has great big rooms, and wears a fine black velvet coat. If you could only marry him, you would be well provided for. Though he is blind, you must tell him all the prettiest stories you know. But Thumbelina did not trouble her head about him, for he was only a mole. He came and paid them a visit in his black velvet coat. He is so rich and accomplished, the field mouse told her. His house is twenty times larger than mine. He possesses great knowledge, but he cannot bear the sun and the beautiful flowers and speak slightingly of them, for he has never seen them. Thumbelina had to sing to him, so she sang Ladybird, Ladybird, fly away home. And other songs, so prettily that the mole fell in love with her. He did not say anything. He was a very cautious man. 
A short time before, he had dug a long passage through the ground from his own house to that of his neighbor. He gave the field mouse and Thumbelina permission to walk in as often as they liked, but he begged them not to be afraid of the dead bird that lay in the passage. It was a real bird with beak and feathers and must have died a long time ago. It now lay buried just where the mole had made his tunnel. One day, the mole led Thumbelina and the field mouse into the tunnel. He took a piece of tinderwood in his mouth, for that glows in the dark, and went ahead of them, lighting their way through the long, dark passage. When they came to the place where the dead bird lay, the mole put his broad nose against the ceiling and pushed a hole through so daylight could shine down. In the middle of the path lay a dead swallow, his pretty wings pressed close to his sides, his claws and head drawn under his feathers. The poor bird had evidently died of cold. Thumbelina was very sorry, for she was fond of all little birds. They had sung and twittered so beautifully to her all through the summer. But the mole kicked the bird with his bandy legs and said, Now he can't sing any more. It must be miserable to be a little bird, and thankful that none of my children are. Birds always starve in the winter. Yes, you speak like a sensible man, said the field mouse. What has a bird in spite of all this singing in the winter time? He can only starve and freeze, and that must be very unpleasant for him, I must say. Thumbelina did not say anything. When the other two had passed on, she bent down to the bird, brushed aside the feathers from his head, and kissed his closed eyes gently. Perhaps he sang to me in the summer, she said. How much pleasure he did give me, dear little bird. The mole closed up the hole which let the light in, and then escorted the ladies home. But Thumbelina could not sleep that night. She got out of bed and wove a big blanket of straw and carried it off and spread it over the dead bird. She piled upon it thistle-down, as soft as cotton wood, which she had found in the field mouse's room, so that the poor little thing should lie warmly buried. Farewell, pretty little bird, she said. Farewell, and thank you for your beautiful songs in the summer, when the trees were green and the sun shone down warmly on us and then she laid her head against the bird's heart. But the bird was not dead. He had been frozen, but now she had warmed him. He was coming to life again. In the autumn, swallows fly away to foreign lands, but there are some who are late in starting, and then they get so cold that they drop down as if dead, and the snow comes and covers them over. Thumbelina trembled. She was so frightened. The bird was very large to her, for she was only an inch high. But she took courage and piled up the down more closely around the poor swallow, fetched her own little quilt and laid it over his head. Next night, she crept out again to him, and there he was, alive but very weak. He could only open his eyes for a moment and look at Thumbelina, who was standing in front of him with a piece of tinderwood in her hand, for she had no other lantern. Thank you, pretty little child, said the swallow to her. I am so beautifully warm. Soon I shall regain my strength and I shall be able to fly out once more into the warm sunshine. Oh, she said, it is very cold outside. It is snowing and freezing. Stay in your warm bed. I will take care of you. Then she brought him water in a petal, which he drank. He told her how he had torn one of his wings on a bramble, so he could not keep up with the other swallows who had flown far away to warmer lands. At last, he had dropped down, exhausted, and then he could remember no more. The whole winter he remained down there, 
and Thumbelina looked after him and nursed him tenderly. She told neither the mole nor the field mouse anything of this, for they could not bear the poor swallow. When the spring came and the sun warmed the earth again, the swallow said farewell to Thumbelina, who opened for him a hole in the roof that the mole had made. The sun shone brightly down upon her, and the swallow asked her if she would go with him. She could sit upon his back. Thumbelina wanted very much to fly far away into the greenwood, but she knew that the old field mouse would be sad if she ran away. No, I mustn't come, she said. Farewell, dear good little girl, said the swallow, and flew off into the sunshine. Thumbelina gazed after him with tears in her eyes, for she was very fond of the swallow, sang the bird, and flew into the greenwood. Thumbelina was very unhappy. She was not allowed to go out into the warm sunshine. The grain which had been sowed in the field over the field mouse's home grew up high into the air and made a thick forest for the poor little girl, who was only an inch high. Soon you are to be a bride, Thumbelina, said the field mouse one day, for our neighbor has said he wishes to marry you. What a piece of fortune for a poor child like you. Now you must set to work on your trousseau, for nothing must be lacking if you are to become the wife of our neighbor the mole. Thumbelina had to sew all day long, and every evening the mole visited her and told her that when the summer was over, the sun would not shine so hot. Now it was burning the earth as hard as a stone. Yes, when the summer had passed, they would have the wedding, but she was not at all pleased about it, for she did not like the stupid mole. Every morning when the sun was rising and every evening when it was setting, she would steal out of the house door, and when the breeze parted the stalks of grain so that she could see the clear sky through them, she thought how bright and beautiful it must be outside, and longed to see her dear swallow again. But he never came. No doubt he had flown far away into the great green wood. By the autumn, Thumbelina had finished her whole trousseau. In four weeks you will be married, said the field mouse. But Thumbelina wept and declared she would not marry the ugly old mole. Don't be obstinate, or I shall bite you with my sharp teeth. You are getting a fine husband. The king himself does not possess such a velvet coat. His storeroom and cellar are full, and you shall be thankful for that. The wedding day arrived. The mole had come to fetch Thumbelina to live with him deep down under the ground, never to come out into the warm sun again, for that was what he didn't like. The poor little girl was very sad, for now she must say goodbye to the beautiful sun. Farewell, bite sun, she cried, stretching out her arms toward it and taking another step outside the house. Now the grain had been harvested, and only the stubble was left standing. Farewell, farewell, she said and put her arms around a little red flower that grew there. Give my love to the dear swallow when you see him. Sounded in her ear all at once. She looked up. There was the swallow flying past. He was delighted when he saw Thumbelina. She told him how unwilling she was to marry the ugly mole, because then she would have to live underground where the sun never shone. And while she said this, she could not help bursting into tears. The cold winter is coming now, said the swallow. I must fly to warmer lands. Will you come with me? 
You can sit on my back and we will fly far away from the ugly mole in his dark house, over the mountains, to the warm countries. There the sun shines more brightly than here. There it is always summer and beautiful flowers always bloom. Do come with me, dear little Thumbelina, who saved my life when I lay frozen in the dark tunnel. Yes, I will go with you, said Thumbelina, and climbed on the swallow's back, and with her feet on one of his outstretched wings, up into the air he flew, over woods and seas, over the great mountains always covered with snow. When she felt cold, she crept under his warm feathers, only keeping her little head out to admire all the beautiful things in the world beneath. At last, they came to warm lands. There the sun was brighter, the sky seemed twice as high, and in the hedges hung the finest green and purple grapes. In the orchards grew oranges and lemons, the air was scented with myrtle and mint, and on the roads were pretty little children running about, playing with great gorgeous butterflies. But the swallow flew on farther, and the country became more and more beautiful. Under the most splendid green trees beside a blue lake stood a glittering white marble castle. Vines trailed from the high pillars, and at the top there were many swallows' nests. In one of these lived the swallow who was carrying Thumbelina. Here is my house, said he, but it won't do for you to live with me. I am not tidy enough to please you. Find a home for yourself in one of the pretty flowers that grow down there. Now I will set you down and you can do whatever you like. That will be lovely, said she, clapping her hands. There lay a great white marble column which had fallen to the ground and broken into three pieces. But between these grew the most beautiful white flowers. The swallow flew down with Thumbelina and set her upon one of the broad leaves. There, to her astonishment, she found a tiny little man sitting in the middle of the flower, as white and transparent as if he were made of glass. He had the prettiest golden crown on his head and the most beautiful wings on his shoulders. He himself was no bigger than Thumbelina. He was the spirit of the flower. In each blossom there lived a tiny man or woman, but this one was king of them all. How handsome he is, whispered Thumbelina to the swallow. The little king was very much frightened by the swallow, for in comparison with one as tiny as himself, the bird seemed a giant. But when he saw Thumbelina, he was delighted, for she was the loveliest girl that he had ever seen. He took his golden crown off his head and put it on hers, asking her her name and if she would be his wife and then she would be queen of all the flowers. Yes, he was a different kind of husband from the son of the toad and the mole with the black velvet coat. So she said yes to the king, and out of each flower came a lady or a gentleman, so tiny and pretty that it was a pleasure to see them. Everyone brought Thumbelina a present, but the best of all was a pair of lovely wings which they fastened to her back and now she too could fly from flower to flower. They wished her joy, and the swallow sat above in his nest and sang the wedding march as well as he could. But he was sad, as he was very fond of Thumbelina and did not want to be separated from her. You shall not be called Thumbelina, said the spirit of the flower. That is an ugly name, and you are much too pretty. 
We will call you May Blossom. Farewell, farewell, said the little swallow with a heavy heart, and he flew away to farther lands, far, far away to the country of Denmark. There he had a little nest above the window of a man who tells such nice fairy stories. He sang to the man, and that is the way we learned the whole story. <laughs>